When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. everybody welcome to another chapter of the book of sean you picked the right night to be here it's the end of the week show we love end of the week show because we get to talk about the world and all of its uniqueness and craziness and beauty and splendor a lot of headlines tonight a lot of things going on everything from the dirtiest man in the world to herschel walker and they're not the same people <laughs> you know that was funny. Anyway, I'm glad you're here. Settle in, beloved. Get you some pie and something to drink. Take your shoes off, because we about to take a ride. Play the bumper, Hiley. We always start with headlines, at least on the end of the week shows. And this one is going to shock and amaze you in the words of Muhammad Ali. If you didn't know it, I need to report to you that slavery is still practiced and legal in the United States of America. Yes, it is. And to prove it, I need to report to you that five states will decide this election day if something called involuntary servitude remains legal and a legal form of punishment for criminals who are convicted of crimes. In Alabama, Louisiana, Oregon, Tennessee, and Vermont, the practice of involuntary servitude, also known as slavery, is used to make convicts work for either pennies on the dollar or for no compensation at all, which is the very definition of slavery. Let me pause here. If anybody has you working, and they're not paying you, is slavery. <laughs> Even if they call it by another name. And what you have in this country, there are five states that have slavery on the ballot in 2022. Anytime you can make a convict work, or any human being, whether they're a convict or not, work and not be compensated for their work, you have, by and large, to the extent more or less, writ large, subjected them to slavery. So on election day, the voters in those five states will decide if slavery will still be legal in this country and a part of the political practice as it relates to those who violated the law. Now, to say that this is ridiculous is an understatement. I almost think the term ridiculous is not sufficient for what this is. You mean to tell me in the 21st century, you can still make people work and not pay them? And let me just say this very clearly. Just because someone is guilty of a crime does not mean that you should have the right to make them a slave. Everybody should be clapping or something. Should I clap for myself? You know what I'm saying? I mean, no, just because somebody broke the law doesn't mean you get to make them a slave. That's not how this should work. What is it with this country and its addiction to bondage? Why is it that America is consistently and pathologically addicted to putting people in bondage? You would think 400 years of that would be enough. And America would have gotten it out of its system. But apparently, oh no, this country has to have somebody with uh, their knee on somebody else's neck. 
Why is it that some people in this country only feel tall when somebody else is on their knees? I don't get it. You would think that a country that went and fought a war and over, what, 300,000 people died over the issue of slavery, a country founded on so-called on the premise of liberty and freedom would want to exercise from its ranks, its politics and its practices, anything remotely similar to slavery. But no, mm-mm, it's on the ballot in 2022. I can't wait to see what the people of Alabama and Vermont and, and Oregon, Oregon, Nah, I can I can see how Alabama might still be doing this, but Oregon, Oregon, I expect so much better from y'all. Let's hope that the people of those states decide to do the right thing. But I'm not necessarily optimistic because slavery built this country. It built the entire economy of the South. And much of the economy of the North was also dependent upon slave labor or the products that so-called slaves produce. And not one day were any of them compensated. All right, let's move on before I start cussing. Juan, my goal is not to cuss. Keep my salvation. Let's move on to Italy. So, Giorgia Maloney. Giorgia Maloney was sworn in as Italy's first female prime minister. There she is. And normally, this would be a cause for accolade and celebration and uh, the highest respect. And I would normally be saying how much we are excited and inspired by Prime Minister Maloney's ascension to power. And that's what I would normally be saying, except for the fact that the new Italian prime minister, Giorgio Maloney, is a fascist. <laughs> it's not funny, but I don't know what else to do. She's a fascist, people. She wants to block immigrants from coming from Africa into her country. Um, she supports so-called traditional family values. She's against the LGBTQ community. She supports Vladimir Putin. And she has a deep affection for the former Italian dictator Mussolini. She's a fascist. Man, I just want that to settle in. So, you know, I want to clap my hands about you know, the first female Italian prime minister, but I'm not clapping for no fascists. No, that's not what we do on this show. I don't care what you are. You follow what I'm saying? And it just goes to show you that just because somebody is in a minority group or in your minority group doesn't mean that they share your values or your principles or your goals. You can be a woman and be anti-women. You can be black and be anti-black. Come on now. You can be poor and not like poor people. Huh? You can be gay and not support gay rights. Just because somebody's a part of the group doesn't mean they line up on the right side of the issues. Just look at Herschel Walker. <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> He's so he's such low-hanging fruit, okay? Herschel Walker's exhibit A. He's black on the outside, but that might be it. <laughs> so Miss Maloney is a woman. Herschel Walker is a black guy, but in both cases, they don't stand in solidarity with the absolute inclusion of all people into all aspects of every society, everywhere. They don't believe that all human beings are created equal and endowed by their, their, by their creator with certain unalienable rights. They don't believe that. No, they don't. Because if you believe that, you wouldn't be against gay folks. And if you believe that, you would not be supporting Vladimir Putin. Anyway. You know, the irony of this is that... um. The new Italian prime minister is embracing 
practices, politics, and ideas that probably don't support women in leadership. Because show me a fascist that believes that women are equal to men. Because I've never met one who believed that. So the irony is the new Italian prime minister embraces principles that would put her back in the kitchen and take her out of the seat of power, and yet she supports that intellectual infrastructure anyway. We have a word for it in this country. It's called cognitive dissonance. And that's exactly what she's practicing. It's amazing how some people will vote against their own interests, how some people will do things that hurt themselves more than anybody else, and they don't even realize that they're hurting themselves. You see, here's a woman that supports ideas that would much rather her be a housewife than a prime minister, and yet she supports them anyway. Let me give you some advice. Make sure that what you believe happens to be in line with the interest of your life, who you are and what you're trying to do. Because if you believe something that ultimately undermines the truth about you, then guess what? Your beliefs are wrong. All right, let's move on because this story is going to make you cuss. <laughs> you know, Juan, Juan's over here today. Juan, this story is going to make you cuss, okay? Here we go. When I first saw this story, I just could not believe that this was true. I could not believe what I was reading, but it, regrettably it is. Did you know that more than 104,000 public school students in New York City were homeless during the last school year? Over 100,000 students in New York City public schools were homeless. That's nearly one out of every 10 students lived in shelters or were doubled up with family members or lived in cars or abandoned buildings or even outside. And we all went on with our lives like nothing was going on, but there were over 100,000 students who were sleeping in cars, abandoned buildings, outside and somebody's couch in a house that was not their own. What do you think happens to the mind and the soul of a child who doesn't know where they're going to sleep at night or where their meal, next meal is going to come from? What do you think happens to the intellectual ability and curiosity to a kid who is sleeping in a car or in an abandoned building? What do you think it does to their soul, to their spirit? How open and generous and creative are they going to be the next morning? after they slept in an abandoned building the night before. How do you think a child's supposed to feel watching his or her classmates go home to nice houses while they are sleeping in the back seat? And yet, we asked 100, over 100,000 students in New York City to come to school every day and to learn and to be excellent and to be creative and to behave themselves and not disrupt the class while we ignored the fact that they didn't have anywhere to sleep. I mean, how's the kids supposed to focus on Shakespeare or Toni Morrison or James Baldwin or politics or Frederick Douglass? Booker T. Washington, and they ain't got nowhere to live. How'd they go? How? And why would we ask them to do it? Why would we put them in a situation where they are being twice defeated in the single race of life? You can tell this angers me because I do not understand how is it that in a rich country, we have over 100,000 kids in New York City, we don't have nowhere to live. We're asking them to be great in school while we make it hard for them to be good and to have a good life. And it's our fault 
let's just say this before I take this break. It's all of our fault, not just the fault of the parents that are homeless, but it's all of our fault that we've allowed rent and mortgages to skyrocket and balloon out of control while wages are stagnated and people don't make enough money to be able to pay the rent or to keep the rent paid. It's all of our fault that we are willing to live in a country where you can spend billions of dollars on bombs and watch kids sleep in cars and abandoned buildings and act like it's somebody else's problem. This is all of our fault. And we all need to repent and we all need to ask for forgiveness, not from God, but from the children who we let sleep in abandoned buildings and in cars. All right. We'll be right back. More headlines, hopefully happier ones, right after this. Everybody, welcome back. Let's do some more headlines. So I mentioned Herschel Walker a little while ago when I was talking about the new fascist prime minister of Italy. Um, so Herschel Walker, people, this is the guy running for the Senate in Georgia. And it turns out that yet another woman has come forward to say that allegedly he pressured her into getting an abortion after she became pregnant with his child as well. This is, of course, allegedly. So this is also at least the second woman that we know of who says that Herschel Walker uh, facilitated an abortion. I'm just saying. This is the second one that we know of. Might not be the only two. I don't know. I said might not. But here's the point I'm making. That, um, you know, it's amazing how people want some people to have more rights than other people and for some people to be able to do whatever they want to do whenever they want to do it while the rest of us has to play by the rules. And I don't know if this is true or not, but let's assume for the purposes of this moment that it is a credible allegation, the second one that we've heard of, then somebody explain to me why the voters of Georgia can't seem to see the difference or the distinction between Herschel Walker's hypocrisy, hypocrisy rather, and Raphael Warnock's decency. It's amazing to me. <laughs> it's amazing to me. Herschel Walker allegedly facilitated two abortions while he does not want abortion to be legal in this country for anybody other than him. Because he doesn't believe that a woman should have the right to abortion under any circumstances, except if she slept with him. <laughs> oh my God, this is crazy. This is so crazy. So, so here's my thing. What's good for the goose is often never good for the gander. And a part of what makes the Republican Party so annoying to me is this commitment to hypocrisy. You see, I don't mind if somebody has a moral failure. Moral failure, I can, I can deal with that. I can deal with people messing up. We all mess up. I've messed up. You've messed up. Juan has messed up. We've all messed up. But don't be a hypocrite. Let me give you an example, because you think I'm just talking ad hominem, right? I'm just talking at the side of my neck. This is Exhibit A. Lean in and listen to this. In the 1990s, when the Republican Party was impeaching Bill Clinton for having an affair and lying about it, guess who the Speaker of the House was in Congress? Newt Gingrich. Newt Gingrich was the Republican Speaker of the House when Bill Clinton was being impeached for having an affair and lying about it. And guess what Newt Gingrich was doing behind closed doors? He was having an affair. <laughs> he was impeaching Bill Clinton for having an affair and lying about it while he was having an affair and lying about it. How many Republican politicians have we heard who are against gay rights who turn out ultimately to be gay? 
it's the hypocrisy that kills me. I'm telling you. Again, I'm not knocking anybody for making a mistake. People are going to make mistakes because that's what we do as human beings. But when you make a mistake, you own it. And if you know that there's a part of you that ain't always standing up straight, then don't walk around condemning other people because they're bent over. It's all right to have fallibility, but what's not all right is to walk around like you got the right to condemn, criticize, and critique other people when you and I are deeply flawed. Bible puts it this way, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. And that's why I don't throw stones on this show, because I'm way too flawed to be flashy. That was good. All right, let's do one more. Let's go back to, back to Europe. Rishi Sunak is the new prime minister of Great Britain. Mr. Sunak is the youngest prime minister, I think, in British history. And, of course, he is the first Hindu-Asian prime minister in the long history of the country. Never before has a black abound person ever sat at the head of government in the United Kingdom. And now... The UK has someone other than a white man or a white woman leading it. And of course, you know, we celebrate that. And I wish I lived in a world where race didn't matter. I wish I lived in a world where it didn't matter what race you were or what gender you were, and we didn't have to celebrate black people or brown people or women being the first of this or the, but we don't live in that world. I don't live in that world, and you don't live in that kind of world. We live in the kind of world where representation matters. And so Rishi Sunak is a big deal. Little black and brown children still need to see that who they are is worthy of respect and love and, yes, access to power. And they need to be inspired to feel good about where they come from and who they come from and what they can do with their lives. But just like I said about the Italian prime minister, I'm going to say about Rishi Sunak. Just because somebody is your color doesn't make them your kind. Just because somebody's your gender or just because somebody's a part of your sexual orientation doesn't mean that they embrace the, prin embrace rather the principles and the values that you embrace. See, how you look doesn't tell me what you value. And I would say about Mr. Sunak, because he is a member of the conservative party in Great Britain, we will wait and see if he will govern as someone who comes from a marginalized and oppressed community, or if he will take on the values and the principles of the oppressors. If he will act like black and brown people in Great Britain are just part and parcel of the rhythms of the country and don't have a uniquely hard and difficult experience being such a small minority. We don't know. We have to wait and see. We have to wait and see how he governs, if his policies and practices will stand in solidarity with the liberational aims of the people that produced him. Will he take on the practices and the priorities and the values of the people who voted for Brexit, who wanted to end immigration. And when they wanted to end immigration, they weren't talking about white people from Germany or France. But we'll see. We'll see if um, Mr. Sunak can do his job. And his job is to help all the people of Great Britain. Black, white, brown, gay, straight, rich, poor, male, female. His job is to help everybody and to open the doors of opportunity so that people can walk through and to make sure people can afford heat and a roof over their head to protect the country and do all of those things. But his job is also to set an example so that people can look to him and know that people like him can lead and that people who are already like him can look to him and want to accomplish what he's done. He's got a lot of responsibility on his shoulders, but that's what happens when you sign up to do something great.
So here's my last thing about this. I wish I could say that I was optimistic, but I'm not so sure I am because remember the conservative party came into power in 2019 because it wanted Brexit. And a lot of Brexit wasn't just about free commerce with the European Union. It was about ending migration and not of white people. All right, let's do one more before we take this break. Okay. This, this, none of the headlines have been happy so far. <laughs> we got, we're going to get to the happy part where we do, uh, you know, the best things in our pseudo wigs. This, this headline is another one, okay? Just sit down because you don't need to be walking when you hear this. A new report just came out telling all of us that Colin enrollment in this country has dipped for the third year in a row. So for the third year in a row, for the past three years, fewer and fewer students are going to college. Both at the graduate and undergraduate level, enrollment seems to be falling. And the only good news in this report is that while for most institutions, enrollment is going down, for historically black colleges and universities, enrollment actually went up. So we celebrate that. We do celebrate that, don't we? We do want black schools to increase their enrollment, more black people, more brown people to get education. But we also want everybody else to get smarter too. And while I want to celebrate the enrollment accomplishments at HBCUs, I'm concerned about the rest of America not going to college. Because that's not a recipe for success. It's a recipe for disaster. And let me tell you why. Now, of course, I understand not everybody can go to college. Not everybody should go to college. I got that, so don't say that. College ain't for everybody. I get it. Totally get it. But here's what I also know. We don't need a whole huge segment of the population in this country stopping with a high school education. Because when you consider how bad high school education is in this country, we need people who know more than what they teach you in high school in America. High school education in this country is terrible. America's already a dysfunctional place. It already has a bunch of issues going on. Can you imagine how crazy this country is going to be if we have a bunch of people who aren't willing to get any smarter? I mean, formally more intelligent because we learn things all the time but stopping at high school mm -mm. beloved no L listen in 2020 you literally had people in this country who believed that john f kennedy jr was going to get up out the grave and he was going to run with donald trump as his vice presidential candidate People actually believe this. You know I'm telling you the truth. People believe this. You can't tell me that you, you got a master's degree and you believe JFK Jr. is getting up out the grave to be, first of all, if a man gets up out the grave, he ain't settling for the vice presidency. <laughs> he gonna want to be the president. But secondly, people don't get up out the grave. <laughs> But people believed it because they saw it on their phones. They saw it on TikTok, on Twitter. People saw it on Facebook. It's got to be true. That's how America is. We don't need this. <laughs> we, we need people who have a, you know, my son, Juan, my, when my son, one of my sons graduated from high school. So he comes to me and said, came to me rather than said, I'm not sure if I want to go to, if I want to go to college. You know what I said to him? When would you like your funeral to be? Yes. You're not sure? Here's what I'm sure about. You're not living in this house <laughs> and not go to college. That's not going to happen. So tell me what day you want to wake. <laughs> oh, anyway. Hey, here's my last thing on this before I take a break. Do you know what 4 million African people did right after slavery? 1865, as soon as they liberated themselves, because we liberated ourselves, nobody else did it. And the moment we liberated ourselves, do you know what 4 million formerly enslaved Africans did together? They went to school.
Hmm? And I'm telling you, you don't know more about surviving in America than they did. Let's take a break. When we come back, I'm going to show you some of the best things I've seen all week. We're going to laugh before this show is over. I promise. We're right back. Welcome back, everybody. So it's the end of the week, and when we do end of the week shows, I get to show you some of the best things that I've seen all week. Either I've seen it or my producers have seen it, uh, and we just want to share it with you because some of this is funny, and some of this will inspire you. Take a look at this 76-year-old great-grandmother known as Miss Faye. Take a look at what she did when she saw one of her neighbors being robbed. Watch this. <laughs> yes, yes, that's what I'm talking about. See there? See, that's, that's, that's a black woman for you. <laughs> She's like, uh-uh. You ain't robbing my friend today. She's got the cane. Now she comes out of there with no concern for her own safety, just concern for what's happening to somebody else. And the best part is when she throws the cane at the car. <laughs> That's for emphasis. <laughs> oh, Miss Faye, I love you so much. That is one of the best things I've seen all week. You know what I'm saying? Don't mess with the elders, all right? They may, be, they may be weak and a little fragile sometimes, but you piss them off, and they, they'll get that ancestral, you know, Harriet Tugman sojourner truth, Fanny Lou Hamer strength. <laughs> oh, God bless her. And thank God that she interrupted what was going on. All right, listen to this story because this is really interesting. Amu Haji was known as the world's dirtiest man for not taking a bath or a shower or anything for more than 50 years. So for more than 50 years, this man uh, did not bathe, and he lived his life covered in soot, completely dirty, and regrettably, uh, he died uh, within the last week or two. But the irony of the story isn't the fact that he didn't bathe for 50 years. Although, let me just say, can you imagine being on a plane and having him sit in the middle seat? I'm just saying. Can you imagine that? How did he not pay for 50 years? Well, he didn't do it. And the irony of the story is not that he didn't bathe for 50 years, because there is a story connected to that, which I'll tell you in a minute. The irony of the story is that his friends and neighbors convinced him to bathe about a month ago and he died soon thereafter. Makes you wonder, doesn't it? Come on. You, you know you're thinking what I'm thinking, so don't sit there and act like we ain't thinking the same thing. He doesn't bathe for 50 years, over 50 years, and he's absolutely fine and healthy. And then he takes a bath, and a couple of weeks later, he's dead. Here's the question nobody wants to ask, because y'all too polite. Was it the soap that killed him? I mean, I'm just saying. I'm not being insensitive. I'm asking legitimate questions. This is a legitimate question. Because if I'm fine after 50 years of not bathing and I die right after the bath, you could legitimately raise a rational question about the affectations of the soap. I don't know if bathing had anything to do with the man losing his life or dying, but it, it makes you wonder. And, and I'm giving you this story, not just because it's interesting to know about the man who um, didn't bathe for 50 years, but also because I need to tell you, you ready? That sometimes it's just better to leave people alone. Teach Dr. Sean. Sometimes it's just better to let people do what they do because it's working for them. And if they're not hurting themselves and they're not hurting anybody else, sometimes, you know, you got to allow people the right and the space that they need to do them. You see, we want people to do the right thing because we think it's the right thing, but it may not be the right thing for them. And if it doesn't work for them, then it ain't right. It's just right for us. 
And I know the people that wanted this man to take a bath had all good intentions. They never could imagine there could be any connection between him taking a bath and ultimately succumbing to his demise, but, and I don't know that there is a connection, but sometimes you just need to let people do what they do because they're good at doing it and it's working for them. We know from the backstory that this man did not take a bath for more than 50 years because the people in his life reported to the news that he had a painful childhood and something about that childhood turned him off to the prospect of bathing. And that's how he ended up not bathing for over 50 years. John, put his photo back up there while I talk about him. That this man didn't bathe for 50 years because he had something going on in his childhood. He, he went through something. He, he didn't just not bathe. You follow what I'm saying? You see, here it is. You don't always know why people do what they do or why they do it or how they fell into getting it done. You don't always know the story behind the one that you see. And sometimes it's just better to leave people alone, not to condemn them. John, put the man back up on the screen. <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> the point that I'm making is when you see that man and you see his dirt, don't judge him because you don't know where all of that comes from. Just like the people in your life who may be doing things that you don't understand. Sometimes the true test of love is can you stay connected to somebody and love them indelibly, even if you happen to disagree with what they happen to be doing. All right. Um, I'm going to save this one when we come back. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about Generation Z. I got one more best things that I've seen all week. And uh, I'll be right back. All right. So um, check this out. Let's talk about Generation Z before I show this video. So a list came out and it um, compiled um, the favorite restaurants of Generation Z. And it's a very interesting list to say the least, okay? So these are apparently an aggregate of the favorite restaurants of the generation under Juan. He's a millennial, and so he said his sister's a Gen Z. So here it is. These are the favorite restaurants. I want you to get this. The favorite restaurants of Generation Z. Here they are. Drum roll. There you go, Juan. Here they are. Number one, Chick-fil-A. All right. Number two, Starbucks. Number three, Chipotle. These are the favorite restaurants of Generation Z. Okay, where do I start? How about we start here? Starbucks is not a restaurant. <laughs> What is wrong with y'all? Starbucks is not a restaurant, and nobody's going to make me think anything different, okay? Starbucks is not a restaurant. You get coffee out of there. If you eat them, oh, well, let me not talk bad about Starbucks, because they might sue me. So anyway, it's not a restaurant. I can't get sued for that. You get coffee out of there, right? Tea, you know, come on. The little deli section doesn't make it a restaurant. Let me keep going. So how about, how about we say this? You mean to tell me out of all the restaurants in the world, Generation Z thought that these were the best restaurants? What about Philippe Chow? Have y'all ever been to Philippe Chow? You know how good Philippe Chow is? Come on, people. What about crustaceans? What about the Ivy in Beverly Hills? You know how good the food is at the Ivory in Beverly Hills? Come on. What about the Cheesecake Factory? How do y'all not like the Cheesecake What about the Grand Lux Cafe? Y'all rather go to Chipotle than the Cheesecake Factory? Okay. Come on, y'all. 
You know, I, I, I love y'all, but y'all have went too far with this. I mean, come on. Come on. I mean, you know the most, most interesting thing about this list is? This is broke people list. <laughs> this is a list you come up with when you ain't got no job. I'm, I'm, and Generation Z, they're too young to have a job, so I understand. But I mean, say, when you ain't got no job, it's it's you know, Chick-fil-A, Starbucks, and Chipotle. When you got a job, it's Philippe Child, Crustaceans, and the Ivy. So I'm just saying. And I'm not knocking Generation Z, okay? I'm hoping and praying that they grow up and get jobs and have a little more cash in their wallets and improve their palate and will be a little more refined in their taste for restaurants. But in the unlikely event that they don't, Generation Z, I want you to know that I'm still going to love you anyway, even if you don't know that Starbucks is not a restaurant. And I can't talk mess because when I was a kid, my favorite restaurant, listen to this one, was McDonald's. Don't judge me. When I was a kid, I used to do the McDonald's dance. We go into McDonald's. You know the little dance black kids do? <laughs> we about to go. I, ooh, ooh, I love me a cheeseburger. Some fry. Matter of fact, when I was a kid, 13 years old, if you had told me in this season of my life I would not be eating meat, I'd have said you smoke crap. But that's kind of the point I'm trying to make. You see, the more you live, the more your taste will your taste rather will change. And the more you live, the more you grow, and the more you grow, the things you like will be different. And you need to have all the permission you want to grow and to change and to make sure the things that you enjoy today may not be the things that you enjoy tomorrow, and that's okay. You don't have to be held hostage to your taste or desires that you experience right now because two years from now, you might even have a completely different position. Give yourself room to grow and to be different. And anybody who can't handle that doesn't deserve you. Anybody who wants you to like Chipotle, Starbucks, and Chick-fil-A for the rest of your life, is somebody that wants to hold you hostage. Bro, because early in the morning before you open your eyes, an angel stands over your bed and whispers into your ear a one-word prayer. Bro, I want to give you all the permission and room that you need to have a different position, think a different thought, be a different person tomorrow than you were today. All right. Let's do one more because I want to show you this video because we've been a little serious today and this is going to make your big toe shoot up in your boot. Watch this video of uh, a friend of the show, Ladarius, Latarius rather, Whitfield, who's, who's been on the show. He was interviewing someone and this happened. Because some people be like, God can't disappoint you. You know, he, he, he's a good, good father. He is. You know, and, and he he has the best intentions for you. His yeah. plans are to prosper you. Yeah. Bring you to an expected end. But your life does not. Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> Bruh. We going to keep this? <laughs> I can't even reach him, bro. This is... <laughs> I'm still laughing. <laughs> no, the funny part is when she said, welcome back, everybody. We just watched the video before we took the break that was out of this world funny. And the funny part, she said, oh, my God. <laughs> that was the best part. Oh, God, I thank God for that video. 
That was good for my soul, man. My soul needed that. All right, what am I doing? Oh, ask Dr. Shard. Highly play the bumper. <laughs> All right, we're gonna pull it together. You guys always send me great videos. And um, let's take a look at this, this one. Hi, Dr. Sean, my name is Tron, and I need some advice. Me and my friends plan on going skydiving in the spring, and they don't know I'm afraid of heights. Do you have any tips on conquering your fears at all? What? Sean, don't jump out no plane if that ain't what you want to do, okay? Don't let your friends talk you into doing something that um, is not just out of your comfort zone, but outside, outside rather the dictates of reason. Now, if you're doing this because you want to conquer your fears, then you just gonna have to feel the fear and get up there and do it anyway. But if you are fundamentally opposed to doing this and there's some people trying to convince you to do it and you're giving in to their influence, I need you to stand up a little straighter and let people know, no. Cause let me tell you something right now. I got some good friends. I got some famous friends. I got some smart friends, some brilliant friends. I got friends that I've known. I got a friend, Reggie Thomas. I've known Reggie since we were in kindergarten. We, that's how long we've known each other. But none of my friends, Reggie, Kobe, Dwayne Wade, nobody is going to get me to jump out of an airplane. Perfectly good airplane I can land. I don't even understand why we jumping out. So I, listen, my only advice, if this is, my only advice is to make sure that this is what you really want to do. Because if it's, if it's what you really want to do, then guess what? You're going to find a way to do it. Because we only do those things that we most desire to do. Now, I don't know why you're doing it. That's between you and your creator. But at least make sure the decision to do it is yours. Because assuming everything goes well, you'll be able to own what you've done. I'm going to leave that right there. Anyway, somebody DM me this question. My parents ran a background check on my boyfriend. When I confronted them, they told me that they did it to protect me from being hurt and to protect my inheritance from a potential gold digger. I'm hurt because it makes me think that they don't trust that I will make the right decisions for myself. Were they wrong? Um, no. <laughs> they were not wrong, okay? No. I'm sorry. I'm with your parents on this one. Uh, nowadays, you need to run background checks on people. And in fact, if you're not running a background check on somebody that you're seriously trying to be with, you the fool. I need you to understand that it's serious out here and people are lying left and right about who they are and where they come from and what they've done and what they've done wrong. Your parents are trying to protect you and not just you, they're trying to protect the wealth that they're trying to give you. And you mad at them? This ain't about them not trusting you. It's about them not trusting the crazy people who want to get to you to have access to what you're about to inherit. You're taking this and making this about them feeling some type of way about your decisions when the truth of the matter is they are understanding and are fully aware of the kind of world that we live in. How many people in your life, you ought to take a poll, ask a bunch of people in your life who ended up in horrible and painful relationships, how many of them wish somebody had done a background check on the nut they gave their heart to? How many of us can say right now, I wish I had known then what I know now? And you got parents who care about you enough to want you to know it, when you need to know it, if there's anything at all to know, and you got a problem with that, you need to be saying, thank you. Thank you for loving me and protecting me. You can also say to them, I can take it from here. But to let this turn into the basis of a resentment doesn't make a lot of sense to me. You know how I know? 
because I did a story a few months ago about a woman who dated a man who ended up being a serial killer. Anyway, let's move on. So my best friend committed suicide. I should have been there for them and I feel guilty. How do I find peace within myself? Well, listen, thank you for emailing me that question. And I'm sorry to hear about your friend. And I'm also sorry to hear that in some ways you feel that you failed your friend. I think that the most important thing for you to do is to talk to someone ongoing as a professional therapist to help you process, but also for you to get to the place where you can forgive yourself for what you didn't do and then commit yourself to being a better friend to the people who are still in your life. Because there are people who are still in your life who can benefit from the wisdom you learned from the mistakes that you made with the friend that you lost. So for all the people that are still in your circle of confidence, be a better friend for them and be what you should have been for the one that you lost. And then forgive yourself because none of us are perfect. And sometimes even when we know, we still don't sufficiently know all that there is to be known. Thank you for tuning in. I love end of the week shows. Best video I've seen in at least six months. <laughs> I'll see you soon. Y'all be good to each other. Be kind to each other, beloved, all right? Life is too hard without love. And remember, I love you. See you soon. Ciao, Bella. Everyone loves buying holiday gifts, but the credit card hangover, not so much. Well, Old Navy is outdoing even Santa with their prices this season. They have incredible prezzies for everyone on your list, like matching jingle jammies, statement-making coats, and the coziest sweaters. And Old Navy has tons of gifts for under 15 bucks, so you can buy yourself a little something too. Sorry, not sorry. So pop by a store or visit oldnavy.com. Lucky Land Slots, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.